We're open to the book of James if you have a copy of the scriptures and we're in chapter 1 tonight. The book of James, number 1. <clears throat> and then I'm going to ask you to turn also in 1 Kings, that'll be chapter 3. And as the Lord leads us, we'll have an occasion in a moment to make reference to 1 Kings chapter number 3. And then the book of James, we'll find our, our text, our, basically what we want to talk about is here in chapter number one. We'll begin tonight in verse number one. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Temptation there is really trials, adversities, hard places, difficult times. Often when you think of the word temptation or being tempted, we, we think of uh, solicitation to evil, to wrong, to sin. He talks about that in verse 13. But here, uh, let me repeat because that will be brought into focus in a moment. He's talking about when we encounter these difficult days, dark days, trying times, when our faith is subjected to a test, rather strains to our ears in our day what he's saying. Count it all joy. Not if, but when you fall into diverse temptations. The idea behind the word Diver, divers, they're varied. They're different forms in different areas. These trials, sometimes financial, sometimes physical, sometimes emotional, sometimes relational, sometimes spiritual. But James says that'll happen. He's going to talk to us tonight in this scripture about how to respond to them. Verse number three, <clears throat> knowing this, that the trine of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. Let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Verse number five tonight is what we will focus on basically. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally, that is generously, and upbraideth not. And it shall be given him. I preached on September the 17th, 1989 for the first time in this pulpit. I entitled the sermon that morning. Some of you may remember it. I entitled the sermon, What to Say When You Don't Know What to Say. I come tonight with a similar title. What to do when you don't know what to do. 
what to do when you don't know what to do. I came in from a meeting and I'd been in the St. Louis area. That's about four and a half hours from where I live. And uh, my responsibility was finished that day at the noon hour, so I'm home by five o'clock. And my wife said to me, there's two calls that you may want to give some attention to. She said, here's some messages that uh, come by phone. She places them there at my desk. But she said, there's two preachers that's asked if you would call them today. They both call me pastor. And uh, I called them. I called them from the kitchen phone. And uh, she overheard our conversation. I probably spent no more than 10 minutes with each of them. And her comment was, she said, I noticed that you responded to both of those preachers with the same, the same scripture. She said, I noticed you referred to the same scripture in almost the same words. And I said, yes, I, I'm aware of that. And what they asked me, the Spirit of God brought to my attention to answer their, their question. And as they stated why they wanted me to call them. And immediately, though I do not, you've heard me say this morning, I do not claim to hear God audibly. But I said to him, especially the first preacher that I spoke with, he said, Brother Hurd, I want to say to you before I tell you what's on my heart that I'm going to lean heavily on what you tell me. He said, uh, I felt God wanted me to call you and I feel like God's going to give me some directions, the word he used through what you say to me. You're my preacher and I'm going to trust you and and what you tell me and uh, and I'm going to lean heavily upon it. And and he also said, the decision that's to be made. He said, really, the future of our ministry in the church hinges on it. Well, you aware, those of you that folk talk to you like that, you aware how heavy hangs over your head. And while he's telling me that, I immediately said to God, I said, Lord, if, unless you clearly speak to me, then I'm not going to tell him anything. And when I listened to his story, the Spirit of God said to my needy heart, have him to turn to James 1.5. And I, I made three simple suggestions from this verse. And I said, that's what the Lord's want me to tell you. The other call did not uh, involve his ministry as such or his church, but is a personal problem. And he too was kind to me and saying the Lord uh, had asked him to call, wanted him to call me and said, Brother Hurt, I'm going to follow your suggestion. And I also had him to turn to James 1 and verse 5. And uh, he too said, Preacher, I, I need direction. He used the word guidance. He said there's more than one road to take. There's more than one decision that can be made. And all of them is not right. And I need guidance. The other used the word direction. 
Well, in my understanding, in James 1.5, writing to a group of early believers that had encountered such pressure, to say the least, all of this difficulty, these trials, these temptations, these diverse temptations, they're called in verse 2. And right in the midst of that, James says that's when you really need wisdom from God. You need to have God's perspective on things. You need to see things as God sees them. You need to know what to do when you don't know what to do. So I want to talk about that a few minutes tonight. Wisdom. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. You understand, of course, he's not talking about knowledge. Uh, Wisdom's not a synonym for knowledge. He's not talking about uh, hierarchy. He's not talking about accumulation uh, of of facts and knowledge. And, of course, the Scripture does admonish for us to study and to show ourselves approved. But that's not what James is talking about. If I'd use the term, and it's rather in term, and to me, I like it. I think it brings into focus what he's talking about, at least my understanding. It's insight. It's understanding. It's guidance. When you're at that place, as that young preacher was with his church and and said, Brother Hurd, if the wrong decision is made, uh, it's, he said, the future of our church hinges really on the decision that's made. Well, his word to me was, I need some guidance. I need some, I, I need direction. I need understanding. I need insight. Now, before I uh, suggest to this audience tonight these three, uh, simple, they're so simple, I'm almost reluctant to even suggest them, but it's something God has brought to my heart for this service this evening. And I want to make three simple suggestions from James 1 and verse 5. When we stand in need of insight, understanding, guidance, when we need to know what to do, when we don't know what to do. I want to use these three simple suggestions. And let me also say that in my understanding, they're, they're appropriate for any legitimate need from the Lord. Not just wisdom. I think these three suggestions tonight that brings into focus this which is God is talking about here, it will work in any area of our life. If you have a legitimate need that you can talk to God about and God's will, it's involved in that. I think these three suggestions is three basic ingredients in getting an answer to a prayer in any realm that we have a right to pray about. Just happens to be wisdom here. Should I ask this audience tonight, in your opinion, who is the wisest person who ever lived? Somebody just tell me. Solomon, I hear Solomon. God would agree with that estimation. That's what God says in his word. There was not one wiser before or after him. That's in 1 Kings. Look at 1 Kings for just a moment, and I believe we'll get a little bit of insight. It helps me here. And I want you to think with me here in 1 Kings. I want us to see Solomon demonstrating the wisdom of God. In an action of Solomon, this young king, he's just come to the throne. And uh, I've read uh, varying accounts, but 
some have said he was just tall, maybe 20 years of age, and others a little older. But he's a young man. He's a young king. And not only him demonstrating God's wisdom, but I want us to notice how he came to discover God's wisdom. How, how did, how did this, uh, this young king come to have such insight, such understanding? As this text says, that's 1 Kings chapter number 3. If you've turned there, look at verse 16. We'll just read some verses here. Then came, <clears throat> excuse me, then came there two women that were harlots to the king and stood before him. One woman said, O my Lord, I and this woman dwell in one house. I was delivered of a child within the house. It came to pass the third day after that I was delivered that this woman was delivered also. We were together. There was no stranger with us in the house, save we two in the house. And this woman's child died in the night because she overlaid it. She rose at midnight and took my son from beside me while thine handmaid slept and laid it in her bosom and laid her dead child in my bosom. And when I rose in the morning to give him a child suck, behold, he's dead. And when I'd considered it in the morning, behold, it was not my son, which I did bear. And the other woman said, nay, but the living is my son, the dead's thy son. And this said, no, but the dead is thy son and the living is my son. Thus they spake before the king. Then said the king, the one saith, this is my son that liveth, thy son's the dead. And the other saith, nay, but... Thy son's the dead, and my son's the living. And the king said, Bring me a sword. And they brought a sword before the king. And the king said, Divide the living child in two, give half to the one and half to the other. Then spake the woman whose the living child was to the king, for her bowels, we would say heart today, that's the seat of emotion. Her heart, her bowels yearned upon her son, and she said, Oh, my Lord, give her the living child, and no, I slay it. But the other said, Let it be neither mine nor thine, but divide it. Then the king answered and said, Give her the living child, and no, why I slay it. She's the mother thereof. And all Israel heard of the judgment which the king had judged, and they feared the king, for they saw, notice now, they saw that the wisdom of God was in him to do judgment. Now, his action here is a wise action, uh, gives insight in a practical way that he knows something about the heart of a mother. And this text says that they noticed that to be the wisdom of God. Now look in the same chapter, look at verse 5. He's demonstrating wisdom in that action. Now, how did he go about dis discovering it? In verse 5, in Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask what I shall give thee. And Solomon said, Thou hast shown unto thy servant David, my father, great mercy, according as he walked before thee in truth and in righteousness, uprightness of heart with thee. And thou hast kept for him this great kindness that thou hast given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. And now, O Lord my God, thou hast made thy servant king instead of David, my father. Notice, and I'm but a little child. I know not how to go out or come in. And thy servants in the midst of thy people, which thou hast chosen, a great people that cannot be numbered nor counted for multitude, give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people that I may discern between good and bad. For who's able to judge this, thy so great a people? And the speech pleased the Lord. Note that. What he had to say out of his 
awareness of his need, his inability, as if he's just an innocent, ignorant little child, and said, oh God, I don't know what to do. I, I need some wisdom. I need some understanding. And that kind of talk, that speech, pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. And God said to him, because thou hast asked this thing and hast not asked for thyself long life, neither has asked riches for thyself, nor has asked the life of thine enemies, but has asked for thyself understanding to discern judgment. Behold, I've done according to thy words. Lo, I've given thee a wise and an understanding heart so that there was none like thee before thee, neither after thee shall any arise like unto thee. And I've also given unto thee that which thou hast not asked, both riches and honor, so that there shall not be any among the kings like unto thee all of thy days. James chapter number five in, excuse me, chapter number one in verse five. If any of you like wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. I make three simple suggestions tonight. And the first one is this. Just simply acknowledge our need. If any of you like wisdom, let him ask of God. And then the second suggestion tonight is just simply ask God for that need to be met. Number one, acknowledge the need. Number two, according to this text, God just calls upon us to ask him. Let him ask God. And then number three, and we'll spend a few minutes with this third suggestion tonight. Not only I'm to acknowledge my need and I'm, ask, I'm to ask God to meet that need, then I'm to anticipate God's answer. God meeting that need. God responding. Now, James puts it in this way. James says, if any of you like wisdom, and of course we do. Being who we are, there is a limitation about us. Being human, we're not God. Therefore, we don't always, always have the, have the answer all the time. We don't know everything as God knows. And being human, of course, as James puts it here, he's bringing us all into focus, bringing us all into that realm of need. And James says to us, he says, if you like it, you need to acknowledge that need and then move from acknowledging the need and then ask God for the need to be met. I mentioned this morning, I think I did in the morning service, that it's difficult for us human beings, especially self-sufficient human beings. It's difficult for us to acknowledge that we have need. I mean, there's times that we just, you know, we don't want anyone to think we have a need, that we're ever coming up short. We want folks to think we've always got it together. And yet the simple truth is, that's who we are tonight with our limitations, with our lack. And that's why I want to read about Solomon, that one that God gave him such, a, such a, an understanding heart, wrote those Proverbs. And, and my, the insight that that man has, I try to read a proverb every day. I was reading, I try to, I try to read correspond to the day. And so I can go through that book on a monthly basis. I need to be in touch with God's word in the Proverbs. And oh, I... I just thought and pondered it this, this morning as I was reading the 17th proverb. 
the insight that he shows there. Just seemed like every day that, that there is something new. There's, there's a little bit more insight that God brings out. And, and that man, see, that wasn't original equipment with him. You're not born with wisdom. Wisdom is not something, I, I repeat, it's not the uh, same as knowledge. It's not something we just acquire. It's a gift of God. And, and he said, we're to acknowledge our need, and it's God who gives wisdom. And Solomon with the understanding that he had as a young king. Oh, he said, God, I'm like a little child. You've placed me here instead of my father. And here I am now uh, with this responsibility and this thy so great a people, the people of God that you've chosen. And here am I. And he said, I'm like that little child that I don't know even how to go in and out. I don't know how to behave myself. And God said, I like that kind of talk. Solomon didn't say, God, I, I, you've, you've tapped the right man. I know how to handle it, God. I've got it together. Just the opposite of that. And in his acknowledgement and saying, oh, God, I don't know what to do. And God said, oh, I'm going to draw near you. God draws nigh the humble, that person that has a need and acknowledges that need. And so tonight, if I am to obtain the wisdom of God or anything that I'm praying and coming to God about and asking about, I first have to acknowledge my need. The late Dr. Stedman, Dr. Stedman in his book, helpful book in my opinion on prayer, Dr. Stedman says, real prayer always starts at a point of need. We don't have a need. We don't pray. We just, oh, it's just rhetoric, just words. We just learn how to say words. But he said, real prayer always commences at that point. You say, oh God, I have a need. I'm a needy creature. And that's when you begin to pray. And so tonight, what is it that you, you may say, well, Brother Hurt, this is not applicable as far as I know. I don't need wisdom tonight. Well, what is that area of deficiency in your life? What is that area that you need some help in tonight? Would you acknowledge it? You say, Lord, this is who I am. This is where I am. And acknowledging the need is the first suggestion. Then just simply asking God. I don't hardly need to comment, but notice the, when he said, let him ask. Let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally. You students are aware of this when he talks about the giving God here. He, he's really not talking so much about an action of God. He's talking about an attribute of God. That's who God is tonight. God is a given God. And more than once, he encourages us to come to that one who that's in essence, God is, I mean, he, he's, he opens his heart and his hand and he gives. I'm told by those that help me understand the scripture, the tense of the verb is in the tense here. It's not a one-time asking. It's in the continual tense. It's to ask. And we acknowledged our need yesterday. We're again today. We're to come and acknowledge the need again. And when tomorrow gets here, if we're not with him, we'll be a needy creature again tomorrow. And we're again to acknowledge that need. And we're again to ask God and ask God in faith. And that's what I want to spend a few minutes with now. We've talked about acknowledging the need. We've talked about asking God for the need to be met. And now I've suggested that third suggestion as I made these suggestions to those two preachers who call me pastor, I said, after you've acknowledged that you need, and both of you have done that, and I said, you've already, I trust, 
been broken before God and said to him in humility, in honesty, Lord, we need help. But now anticipate the answer. See, a lot of us, oh, it's not difficult for me to see my need. I, I know who I am. I know how limited I am. I know how many areas, at least in part enough to keep me disturbed, how deficient I am. And I try occasionally cry out to God, but my question is, am I believing God? See, that's what James talks about here. That's in essence the bottom line of what he says. He said, now you've acknowledged your need, you're asking, but you be careful in the way that you ask that you anticipate, you expect, you look for an answer. Because let him ask in faith. If you don't do that, James said the man that don't ask in faith, that kind of person shouldn't even think that he'll receive anything. Not only he shouldn't receive, he won't receive wisdom, not anything from the Lord. Look how he puts it in verse 7. Let not that man, that's the man that's double-minded. That's the man that he describes like a wave of the sea. No stability, up and down, in and out. You know, one day he thinks it pays to pray. Next day he, he don't have a prayer life. There's no stability. There's no commitment yet. He doesn't really mean business yet. He's not asking in line with the will of God and asking in faith. James said that fellow shouldn't even think he's going to receive anything. And he then talks about that kind of person, verse 8, double-minded. That's an unusual expression. Double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways, not just at church, but in all of his ways. You couldn't depend on that kind of person. So let him ask in faith. I want to make three statements that I call them three encouragements to anticipate an answer. And they're right here in this verse. I'm to acknowledge my need. I'm to ask God for the need to be met. I'm to anticipate an answer. And I repeat, there's three encouragements here that encourages me to expect, to anticipate, to look to God for an answer. And the first encouragement is what I call the generosity of God. Look what he says. He says he gives how? He gives liberally, generously. Oh, somehow I think tonight, if he could just get a hold of us, how willing God is to give. I preached in this pulpit in one Sunday evening a couple years back from Psalm 81:10. Open your mouth wide, God said to Israel, and I'll fill it. God said, listen, I, I've got plenty of blessings for you. I, I'm exhorting you. Open your mouth wide. No, I, I've got plenty for you. Call unto me and I'll answer you and show you great and mighty things that you know not. The generosity of God. Paul would write to those over at Philippi church when no one else uh, communicated with him and stood with him and helped him and helped meet his needs. And he'd write back to them and said, my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Yeah. Heard a man on the radio the other night, I don't mean to be picky and technical about it, but he misquoted that and I'm sure I have. And uh, I picked up on it. He said, God has promised to meet all of your needs out of his riches. He didn't say that. Not out of his riches. It's according to his riches. You say, is there a difference? 
Suppose I call home, my wife said, you've got an interesting letter. You got a letter from Bill Gates. <laughs> and, and you know who Bill Gates is. And you got a letter from Bill Gates and, and he's heard that you have a need and, and he, he wants to help you and you can expect a gift. And he, his note says that he's going to give you a gift, not out of his riches, but according to his riches. Oh my. <laughs> With all them billions and you're going to get a gift according to to how wealthy he is? You think I wouldn't be watching for that? I'd have an armored truck out there, amen? Yes, sir. I'd go home for sure and wait on that ladder. No, it's not out of, God says. It's according to. And here, God says, listen, I'm not stingy. I'm a giving God. That's, that's part of my attribute. That's who I am, the giving God. God said, listen, that ought to encourage us to pray. That ought to encourage us to anticipate an answer. Not only the generosity of God, but I suggest to you, secondly, what I'm calling the gentleness of God. You say, where do you see that? Notice, not only does he give liberally, but he says he upbraideth not. We may not get a hold of that. That may be an awkward expression to some of us, but he's literally said he won't scold us. He won't upbraid you. He won't put you down. You come to God and ask God for wisdom. He's not going to call you a dummy. He's not going to call you stupid. No, he delights in meeting you at your point of need. He delights when you and I acknowledge a need and say, oh God, we don't have, have the insight and the understanding. He said, I've got it for you. You want to do it, as I said, this morning for my glory and you want to walk in my will and my way? God said, I won't hold with, I do not withhold any good thing from those that walk that way. I was in a home with a preacher and it may sound unkind. I don't mean it to be, but I think it'll illustrate this. I was in a home with this pastor and little fella couldn't have been over maybe five, maybe not that old. I'd just been about four, but little guy, he came through where we were seated and the pastor had said to me, Brother Hurt, these folks are members of our church, but they're out of tune, they're out of touch, and maybe God will use you. I want you to speak with him, see if you can encourage him. And we're there just visiting. And this little guy comes running in. He comes past the pastor, and I'm here beside of the brother talking with him. And he has a little object in his hand. I'm not sure now what it was, but it was a little something that he was having to struggle with. And it was obvious to me, you know, that what he's needing done. I saw right quick. It's not because I'm so smart, but it was rather obvious. He's a four or five-year-old, and, and I saw immediately how to put that little thing together. So did his dad, and I'm sure the pastor. But his dad upbraided him. He said to him, called him a name. He said, do you mean to tell me that you're going to come in here in the presence of the, our pastor and this visiting preacher and, and let these preachers know how dumb my little boy is? And that little fellow's countenance just failed. He looked over here at the pastor. He looked at me and his lips quivered. His dad was already taking that little object and he took it back from his dad. And time he got out from our presence and I was seated where I could see him go through the kitchen. He's running. He's in tears by the time he goes out the kitchen door. He upbraided him. He scolded him. He put him down in the presence of other people. Oh, that wasn't a difficult thing to that dad, but I think in his arrogance... He may have done some permanent damage in the heart, that little boy, by calling him a dummy in the presence of those preachers. I didn't say anything then. That would have been inappropriate. I was a guest in his home. But I did come in after we left. 
And I said to that pastor, I said, you know, that man may have done some damage. It'll be long lasting by putting that little fellow down and calling him a dummy. Well, God don't treat us like that. God's not going to call us stupid. When you come to God in the, with a sense of need and you come to God at your point of need and, and you're requesting, I think what he says when he, he upbraideth not, he, he, he's really saying God can, uh, can give to us without making us feel cheap. I mean, there's some folks may give you a gift, but they make you feel so cheap when they do it. I mean, you feel like just giving it back. And God's not that way because God is our source and he constantly wants us as humans to feel our need and come into him on a regular basis and say, oh God, I need help. I'm a needy creature. And that pleases God. Not only I'm to acknowledge my need, I'm to ask the need to be met for the need to be met, and I'm in, to anticipate an answer in his generosity that encourages me to anticipate his gentleness. That encourages me to anticipate his answer. But then the gift of faith. Faith is something that God gives to all of us. Every last one of us, the grasp of faith is at our disposal. We have access to it. And we can ask in faith. You can just, you can just ask him if you believe that he's trustworthy. If you believe he means what he says. And you, you can just ask him and, and you can believe it. Just God says something. See, faith has to have a foundation. Faith has to have a word. Faith has to have something to rest upon. Faith is not just wishful thinking. Me conjuring something in my mind, think, boy, I'd like to have that and start trying to pray. That's why a lot of folks, I think, are disillusioned about prayer and they think prayer don't work because it's not, it's not a word from God. It doesn't come from him. It's not something God puts in their heart. But when God takes that word and, and, and speaks to your heart about it, and that's why it's so important for us to stay in this book. I mean, I'm not just talking about the written word now. Not just talking about the logos, as the, as the theologians call it, but that rhema, that personal word. When you're reading and all of a sudden, it's God's word to your heart. And it's alive. It's quickened to you. You can ask in faith and God will meet you there. Oh, he's got something for us tonight. If we'll acknowledge our need, ask him. And then anticipate his answer. Heads are bowed. All over the room, God's people in a moment of quietness. All over the room, would you stand with me as we stand together this evening? Such a simple text, but yet such, a, such an encouraging portion of God's Word tonight. Speaks to my needy heart. Oh, I tell you, this indeed encourages me when I think of God's generosity and when I think of God's gentleness, how kind he is to us. And then has equipped us in a way that not only, see, faith is a gift of God, even your saving faith is a gift of God. I mean, we're saved by grace through faith and not of ourselves. It's a gift of God. And the grace and the faith both is God's gift. Oh, I know we do the believing, but if God didn't enable us, we couldn't do it. And so tonight, he's granted to us the gift of faith. Oh, if we'll just pray, what will God do for us if we'll pray? Our heads are bowed, eyes are closed. My part's about over. I'm going to offer a prayer. You may want to talk to God. I'm going to do that tonight. I want to talk to him out of a sense of gratitude, how good he is.
then I want to ask him to help me. Help me just to trust him. Maybe you want to come and join us. There's folks coming already. Don't miss God tonight. God's talking to some of us. I I found the best time to do business is right at that point of need, just while God is speaking. Don't miss him tonight. Just say, Lord, Lord, you've said something and I'm responding. All over the room, folks are coming. Our Father, make it easy for us to say yes to thee. Your spirit's at work in this room again tonight. Lord, the music tonight, how refreshing, how anointed, how blessed it was to, Lord, just to be in a service where you were glorified and praised. We bless you for it. Now take your word and seal it to our hearts. I'm glad right in the midst of a trial, right in the midst of a heartache, right in the midst of a difficult time, you can come right to us. And you can get us through it in a way that you're glorified and we're made the better for it. Do that in some hearts tonight is our prayer. All over the room, our heads are still bowed and the hearts and attitude of prayer, the pastor's here. Don't miss God tonight.